Welcome to Charting Uncharted Waters, Special Education in the Days of COVID, a project of the Olivet Nazarene University Special Education Program. We know that the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the work of special educators, and we want to understand how. With this podcast, we are aiming to gather future special educators together to listen to the reflections of practicing special educators, particularly listening for the ways their work has changed since the initial wave of coronavirus cases caused our schools to close back in March. Every episode is a conversation between someone from Olivet, either a special education major or a professor on one side of the table, and a practicing special ed teacher from one of our local schools on the other. In this episode, a junior special education major, Maribel Bolivar, is interviewing Daniel Hirsch, a special ed teacher at Bradley West Elementary School. Enjoy the episode. All right, so... First question would be, tell me a little bit about yourself and your education background. I have a dual certification. Um, I'm certified to teach general education and I'm certified to teach regular education. I started my career in general education and I generally found a place in special education that I've really liked and that's where I've chosen to continue my career in education. I'm born and raised in the Chicago suburbs. I grew up in a town called Homewood. So I've basically been in Illinois my whole life. I'm, I've been married for eight years and I have a six-year-old son. So as soon as I'm done being busy at school, um, I go home and I'm very busy with my family. Oh, that's awesome. As a teacher, what was one of the first things that went through your mind when the COVID-19 pandemic started? Let me think about this for a minute. I I had a lot of concern about the pandemic at the beginning of it because of the level of death that was shown to us that the virus was causing. So I had, you know, immediate concerns for the health and well-being of my family, as well as, you know, the health and well-being of students and staff, friends, and just the well-being of the community in general, because we haven't dealt with the pandemic to this extent in our lifetime, and the country hasn't dealt with the pandemic like this for basically over 100 years. Yeah, it is. It is pretty intense. Now, like I know you mentioned that you have um, a younger son. What went through your mind for him when this whole pandemic started, especially him going into the schools? Just knowing the importance of education in general and the fact that I wanted him to have the best education he could possibly get. I was very concerned Mm -hmm. about remote learning with a kindergarten student because kindergarten students don't have the attention span and the focus to learn very effectively through remote learning. So I had I had a concern that he was going to fall behind academically, which was going to be detrimental to his education. And um, I was very concerned about that. And has like, since uh, a couple months have been, have passed with the pandemic, has he been um, doing well in the school? Like, Okay, so I spent a lot of time with him during the pandemic last spring because the schools were closed. So as soon as I was done teaching my students remotely, 
I would go to working with my own son remotely, or excuse me, I would go to working with him Mm -hmm. in person. And that was challenging at times because, you know, I'm as he views me as his father, um, not his teacher. Um, So it took some adjustment Mm -hmm. on his part, adjusting to me being his father and his educator. But I felt like with working with Mm -hmm. him and I had the help of my wife and my mother-in-law, I felt like we did a good job in compensating for the fact that he wasn't going to school last year. Now, he just recently has started going back to school in a Frankfurt school district, and he goes to school every other day. Um, so he's on an AB schedule. And from what we can tell right now, um, for, for first grade, he's doing, he's doing well in the first grade. He's not He's not having difficulty with the concepts or the work that he has to do. Glad that he has like a, especially like a a teacher as a parent. So that must really help him a lot. So how did you start to prepare yourself as a teacher when you were informed of all the new changes that would take place in the schools? Well, I had to learn a lot of new technology very quickly. So I had to basically teach myself how to use the Zoom program effectively. I had Mm -hmm. to gather the resources I needed to help my students be successful and figure out a way that I could present those materials to the students through remote learning. And so some of that came with training from the school. Some of that came from individual research that I sought out myself. Some of that came from watching YouTube videos and learning information from other teachers. Some of the approaches that I've used, I feel like come from my own creativity and things that I've figured out to do with my students to help them. I have quite a few programs that I can use with students that are standards-based where I can deliver mini lessons to the kids and the kids can work on online programs where I can monitor their progress, which helps quite a bit. So I'm glad you got you were able to get trained to the schools. I didn't know they were doing that too. That's cool. So um, with all the new changes that are taking place in the schools, what are some of the concerns your students facing and how are you helping them cope? Well, my students do best with in-person learning and that With my students, oftentimes in-person learning is very challenging because of the deficits that they have. Mm -hmm. So when you take that in-person learning away and you're doing remote learning and you have a child who's academically struggling and they're asking for help, it's much more difficult to explain things and demonstrate things and show things to them when you're working remotely versus when you have them in person. It's, it's definitely much more difficult that when resources and materials are right in front of a student's face and they can touch them and they can see them much more clearly and the teacher is close by, um, learning is much more easy for them mm-hmm. versus the difficulties of remote learning. Now, one of the very positive things that has come about in 
recent weeks is that special education students are allowed to come into the school. So I can have one student at a time come into my classroom where I can deliver instruction to them. The only problem is, is that the school district can't provide transportation. So the, the parents are responsible for the transportation. So I do have some students who are coming into school on a daily basis. Obviously, they're not spending a full day with me, but I can spend up to an hour with them where I can give them individualized instruction, which I feel like will really help these kids versus the remote learning. Now, is this only like um, with you and special education? I'm not sure if that was a district policy or my guess is that that's a state policy that they're allowing that to take place, but I'm I'm not 100% sure of that. But the kids come into the school, we take their temperature, um, we make sure that they're not running a temperature, their parents are doing a health screening with them before they come to school. The school nurse and the administrators are aware of who's coming into the school. And obviously we still follow the same safety precautions with those students once they're in the classroom. I know you mentioned like some pieces of technology and programs, but what programs do you recommend that can be beneficial for you and would help other teachers dealing with the situation? Well, the software for my smart board program is very beneficial because any material that I would like to share with the students, and that could be instructions, that could be pictures, that could be, let's say, movies that the kids are watching. I can put all that information into my smart board program, and I can share that information with the students with the the screen share function on the Zoom program. Mm -hmm. So any type of material that I would be presenting to the kids in person, I can present that same material to the students with the technology I have on my computer with the the smart software programs. I use a program, an internet-based program called IXL, which is very good, which is standards-based, which has learning activities, basically K through 12, reading and math, which allows me to differentiate my instruction based on the different levels of the kids. Um, There's really a variety of internet programs that are out there right now. It's almost like there's too many of them. And you just have to kind of uh, pick and choose a few programs that are effective for students. I have a program that's called Snap and Read that allows students to pick any, any text that's presented to them over the computer. With that program, the text can be read to the students. Um, if I have ESL students to work with, they know how to take text in English, translate it into Spanish, which they can either read in Spanish or listen to in Spanish. That's been a, a very effective tool. I also have a program called CoWriter, which is a, a word prediction device that students can use for typing out or doing any type of written work that they have that they would need to do through the computer that can help them quite a bit. So there's so many different programs out there right now for teachers to use that it seems like you have to pick and choose a few of the programs that you feel are going to be most effective for your students and go with those programs. I also 
you know, I talk to my students about which programs they like, because obviously if they like the programs, they're going to be more focused on them. They're going to try harder with them. So I try to keep that in mind and use programs that I know my students enjoy using as well. Good. Um, so what was your schedule like today? So generally I have students in, I have some students in half hour increments. I have some students in 45 minute increments. And I have some students in hour increments based on the academic needs of the student, whether the student has reading goals, whether the student has math goals, or whether the student has reading and math goals that I need to address on a daily basis. So from 8.30 till 9 o'clock, I work with two students on reading from 9 to 9.30 I worked with one student on math instruction from 9.30 to 10. I was working with the student on reading instruction from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock is basically open at this point in time. Still trying to schedule a few students into that time. From 11 o'clock until 11.45, I was working with two students on um, the Wilson reading program which is teaching students with severe decoding problems. So that's very challenging doing through remote learning. Um, once I was done with those students, I had a quick lunch and I'm back on with students again at about one o'clock. One o'clock to two o'clock, I had a student who came into the classroom and we worked, we spent a half hour on reading and we spent a half hour on math. From two o'clock to three o'clock, I met a student online where we worked on reading for a half hour, math for a half hour, and then we had a staff meeting at three o'clock. So it generally stay very busy. And in those small amounts of time where you don't have students, I'm checking in with general education teachers to see how my students are doing. I'm making copies, I'm documenting times that I'm working with students. I'm also planning instruction for, you know, the near future as well. I'm also looking at data reports that are coming out from programs that the students are using so I can see what they're struggling with and what they're doing well with to, you know, determine what I need to do on the next day of instruction for them. Now, is this schedule similar to like, kind of, is it like every day kind of the same thing or does it change or do you only do certain? I have to be flexible with the schedule. That's generally a consistent schedule that I'm keeping, but there are things that come up at times where, you know, a student can't meet at a certain time and I'll try to find another part of the day where I can meet with that student. I have meetings that come up. And um, I also have a few students who it's been a challenge to get a hold of who I'm still trying to schedule time to meet with them. The you always just find a way, which is good. Yeah, the consistency with the schedule is good for the students as well as um, the teacher. And I mean, with the students, it's challenging because they're with their general education teachers and that general education teacher has a schedule. And then they know at certain times that they leave the general education teacher and then they come join my instruction so they can get their individualized instruction. 
And once they're done with that, they generally bounce back to the general education teacher. So the more that the kids can get that schedule down, the more it's going to help them remember what they need to do at a given point in time as well. That's an intense schedule. (laughs) That doesn't include the text messages that come through from parents that have concerns or general education teachers contacting me, seeing if students showed up for my instruction. So, or the office contacting me about different things. So yeah, it's, it's pretty intense and you just kind of have to be flexible with it and kind of go with the flow of things. And if things change, things change and you just have to be ready for that and do the best you can with it. So you seem pretty positive. Like, so how are you coping with all of this? I try to have a positive attitude the best I can about this and tell myself that I'm putting, I'm putting everything I can myself into this remote instruction to make it work for the students the best that I can. And Mm-hmm. As long as I feel like I'm going home every day and that I've done everything I can on my part to help my students, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It was much more stressful last spring because last spring when remote instruction started, we were starting fresh and um, we really didn't have a, a model to follow. So last spring, It was very stressful trying to figure out how I could best meet the needs of my kids. What programs should I use? Mm -hmm. What should I not use? Um, There was a lot of trial and error in the spring last year where I would try different strategies or, or approaches with the kids. And sometimes they work very well. And if those approaches worked, you know, I remember them and I'm using them again. And if those approaches Mm -hmm. didn't work, you know, I I stopped using them and I'm not trying to use them much now. So I would say it was much more stressful last spring trying to figure everything out. I'm pretty good about kind of getting a big picture of everything that needs to be done and taking care of that. So I feel like the experience I gained last spring has has made this, I'm not going to say it's not stressful, but it's less stressful because I know what I'm doing mm-hmm. for my students. That's really good. I'm glad, like, despite the whole like challenges that we've had, like, last semester, that you were able to kind of learn from them and just, like, do better for your students. So that's good. This is the new reality that we have to face as teachers. And that as mm-hmm. much as we hope that this is going to go away in the near future, we just don't know. And we have to be prepared to make that jump from in-person instruction to remote instruction, basically from one day to the next. So when, when we went remote this year, we came into work one day and we had been instructed by administrators throughout this entire year that we never knew when that day was going to come, but that at any point in time, the next day we could be told that we would have remote instruction and that we needed to be prepared to handle that. So mm-hmm. I was mentally prepared to handle that situation quickly to the point where when we were told one day we were doing remote instruction, the next day I had the majority of my students meeting with me remotely and instruction continued. So, I I mean, I was ready and prepared for it. And I think 
that's something that teachers need to be right now. Honey, because I was just about to ask the new normal. This is the new normal for education. And yeah. I've taken, I mean, before this started, I mean, I had taken graduate classes remotely through, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. through the computer. So just taking those classes remotely, I kind of, I, I saw some of the different approaches that the professors used. And um, that kind of helped, that, that helped me as well prepare for this as well. Um, obviously with mm -hmm. college students, they can handle remote learning more effectively than elementary students, but you do what you can to make it work. And there's no, if this yeah. virus goes, we all hope this virus goes away, but there's no telling that something else could come up like this at any point in time. Yeah, so we always just have to be prepared. Absolutely. What advice do you give future educators like myself that are coming into a new world of teaching? You have to be flexible in your thought prop. You have to be flexible in everything that you're going to be doing as a teacher. You're not going to get the full experience what you're going to be dealing with on a daily basis until you're in a classroom and you have students for yourself and something like this happens and you have to make decisions that are going to, you know, impact the education and the life of, of students. But we have to be prepared for this. So um, new teachers need to have a strong grasp on how to use technology as a teacher, because if you're not good with technology, you're definitely going to struggle with um, this remote learning. So that's, that's a big piece, being strong with technology, come into your job ready to learn, ready to learn a whole lot of new material that um, college hasn't necessarily prepared you for. And that so, you know, we're entering a new world for education. You have to be prepared for it one way or another. And what you went to school and what you were expecting as a career in education might not be what you find out you're dealing with when you actually get a job and start working in the field of education. But I don't want to sound too negative. We need good young teachers and we especially need good young special education teachers. It's a very challenging career, um, but it's also a very rewarding career as well. My professors do tell us a lot about that. It is quite scary, but I know one of my uh, other cooperating teachers told me, like, if you balance your career with um, yourself, you will do better and, and everything will be okay. So I, I, have that, I have that faith in me. So thank you so much. Do you want to add anything else? Just that we need fresh young teachers coming into this yeah. field that are dedicated to education and dedicated to helping students. The challenges that you know we face are are pretty serious as educators with the challenges of COVID, the challenges that students and families are dealing with right now, the economic hardships that are taking place right now and how kids are being impacted by that and how that we see that at school as well. And that we have serious challenges that we have to face in educating our students, but 
the same time, we need strong teachers that can address those needs and stay positive in this career and uh, help kids the best they can. And if you're, if you're coming into this career, you need to be in it for the kids 100%. And if you're not, if you're not in it for the kids 100%, I wouldn't recommend this profession if you're coming into it because you think it's going to be nice that you have your summers off. Sure, that's nice that we do get time off in the summer, but I find myself working quite a bit during the summer and uh, it's, it's very challenging. Yeah, but You have to be very, very dedicated. Yes, and balancing your career with your family, that's very challenging as well. Young teachers also, very, very important that they know how to handle stress and that they need to have individual strategies mm-hmm. in mind about how they're going to handle stressful situations, how they're going to handle when they come home and they're stressed out. That's, that's a very important thing for young teachers to learn of something that I had to learn very quickly myself within my career. Well, thank you so much for sharing. That really helps a lot. I mean, not even just for the podcast itself. It helps me a lot as a future educator. So thank you so much. This has been Charting Uncharted Waters, Special Education in the Days of COVID, a project of the Olivet Nazarene University Special Education Program. Special thanks to the teachers and schools in our area who continue to do great work, no matter what comes their way. Thanks also to the Frias family, whose generous support has made this and several other projects possible. Finally, a huge thanks to Professor Brian Utter in the Communications Department at Olivet, particularly for recommending Shimada Fontes. Shimada's hard work and ability have made this podcast come to life. Find out more about Olivet and the Special Education Teacher Training Program at olivet.edu.